Hey Amarillo, I'm Jason Boyette, and you're listening to Hey Amarillo, the interview podcast featuring some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. This episode of Hey Amarillo is supported by the new Discover Amarillo app. This free download is designed to be a resource for new Amarillo residents and anyone else who wants to keep up with local events, local activities, shopping, businesses, and more. It even maintains a list of family-friendly restaurants with Kids Eat Free offers. You can find out more at discoveramarillotx.com or head to your app store of choice to download Discover Amarillo today. That's the Discover Amarillo app, now available for iPhone and Android. And as part of this podcast partnership with Brick and Elm Magazine, I also want to give a podcast shout out to Sparkman Orthodontics. You can find them online at sparkmanorthodontics.com and to cosmetic and reconstructive surgeon Dr. Patrick Proffer of Proffer Surgical Associates online at drproffer.com. That's D-R-P-R-O-F-F-E-R. Today's guest is Josh Gilmore. Josh has been working in the local medical field for several years, but just finished his RN degree over the past year, right in the middle of COVID. He's a medical ICU nurse, and so he's been immersed in the middle of all that heartbreak and chaos for the past few months. And so we talk about that for sure. But that's just Josh's day job. He's also a local concert promoter and the founder of Infinity Entertainment, which is bringing the Love, Laughter, and Friends Fest to Amarillo in November. And this is a concert featuring big 90s acts like Genuine, Drew Hill featuring Cisco, and Baby Bash. So obviously, we cover a lot of interesting territory in this conversation. Here's Josh Gilmore. Josh Gilmore, welcome to the Hey Amarillo podcast. Thanks for being here. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm glad to have you. Glad to have a chance to talk to you. I want to start with you like I start with all of my guests and just ask, why are you here? So how did you end up in Amarillo in the first place? Well, it's a, this is home. I mean, this is it. This is where I was born and raised. I mean, my family's here. This is, I mean... This, this is it. I mean, I love this place. You know, I do like to, I, it just feels like home. No other place is home. This is it. Have you lived any other places? Oh, or? no, no, okay. no, no. I haven't had that. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a pretty boring guy. Like people ask me, where are you from? I'm like Emerald, Texas. And they're like, where the heck is that at? <laughs> and I'm like, it's like in the top of Texas. You yeah. don't know. So where'd you go to high school? Um, Tascosa, Tascosa. Okay. Uh, shout out to them. They just beat them real high. Yeah, so they did. <laughs> my reps saw that game. Uh, but yes, I went to Tascosa, graduated in 2013. Okay. Uh, played football, you know, love it. Uh, miss it. Actually, it was a lot simpler days back then, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yes, sir. Tascosa. Did you have any desire once you graduated from high school to go someplace else, get out of here, oh, go to a yes. different college or anything oh, like that? Yes, or? absolutely, man. You know, I had these big hopes of going off to like Texas and going to live the college life, but mm-hmm. you know, um, things happen for a reason. My daughter came okay. before senior year. Um, I got, I, her mother, we, we actually had a little girl in high school. So, um, at, at the moment felt like my life was crumbling, you know, it was the whole 
young and just you know you want to you want to go out and live your life you're that young you just want to go out and party yeah, yeah. And do your own thing that's but, a hard age to have that kind of responsibility right and you and you just don't know what's going on but um thankfully at the time you know my parents my mom and dad they you know didn't even react the way i thought they would hmm. they kind of just embraced the decision and they sat me and her mother down and just said okay this is what we're gonna do you know it's fine Meanwhile, I'm crying in the back. (laughs) But, you know, looking back on it now, I'm just like, that was a bit overdramatic. And, you know, my daughter, who I love to death, uh, she's here for a reason. And that's what motivates me. So it's a good thing that she she came when she did and that I'm here because I wouldn't have had the opportunities that I have now had I not stayed here. It makes you grow up pretty fast. Oh, yes. And I mean, I had to grow up very quickly. Like, it was... It was just rapid, and I'm still growing. Yeah, you know, as a father, like I'm still just like, okay, I can do this better. I can communicate with her this way better. So, it it, it does make you grow up quick. There are a lot of similar stories, and I've I've even had some of these conversations on the podcast where, mm-hmm. you know, you end up in a situation like that with a, a teen pregnancy. Oh yeah, um, and then the dad is just not a part uh, of that yeah. child's life. Yeah, and I refused. To be that guy, I mean, as as upset as I was at the time, mm-hmm. the thought in my mind never crept in. Like, well, I'm just gonna go to school anyway. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just gonna go off anyway. And my my dad actually gave me that option. He was like, "Son, you just go off to school, and we'll handle everything here with your with your daughter." And I was like, "Oh no, hmm. that's just not how I'm built. That's not. I'm not happy with that." And they actually they actually pushed for that because my mom and pops wanted me to go off to school. So yeah, it, it's definitely it, it's definitely nothing that creeped in my mind. I had to be a part of my part of my daughter's life, and you know I'm I'm thankful that she's part of my life. You know, so okay, so so your plans change all of a sudden. Yep. You've got you know more than just yourself to think about. Yeah, um, you're not sure about college. What did you end up doing? So um, I knew that I wanted to be in the medical field um, since high school. I mean, I went to ACAL. I got my CNA license. Medical okay. field is all I knew. I didn't. I've never had any other job. Uh, I went. I, I got my CNA in my junior year. Of What's high a school. CNA? So CNA is a certified nurse's assistant. Okay. Um, it's just a certificate um, that you get to be able to go into the hospital and do patient care. Okay. Uh, such as like helping to the bathroom, bathing, those of those natures, brushing teeth, uh, willing them to procedures, those things of those natures, just helping out the nurse do got those it. kind of minimal ba- patient care. Um, so I got that license in junior year. I had to wait a year to start working in the hospital. Uh, so I waited a year cause I wasn't 18 just yet. Mm-hmm. I waited my senior year and my mother, her being an RN already, she works, well, she used to work in ICU. She pulled some strings, got me on that Viber Healthcare, and I worked there for seven years. Wow. Okay. Uh, it's my senior year. I worked there for seven years. And so I already knew I wanted to go, to, go through the nursing school. I immediately went to AC. I didn't take school very seriously, <laughs> and I hate that. <laughs> I hate that. So I didn't take it very seriously. I didn't get very good studying habits down until I got in nursing school. So it took me a while to hunker down and take school seriously. Um, it, it took me a long time to actually get in the program. It t- I had to apply three times to the program. Wow. But, okay. um, you know, I'm so resilient. And like when I have my head set on something, I'm like, I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to stop. I'm still panning on the door. So I waited and waited. I was getting discouraged. My mom's like, yo, son, just keep trying. 
So I took my entry exam the second time. Didn't get the grades I needed for the RN program. The first time, just flat out didn't score well. <laughs> but the second time, I made good enough grades to get into the LVN program. Okay, um, LVN is a licensed vocational nurse. Uh, it's not so much of a degree. It's a step below an RN. Uh, there's certain things you can and cannot do in a hospital as an LVN. So it's like a two-year degree as opposed to a four-year well, degree, um, or is it the uh, the LVN is a one year? Okay, and it's a it's a certificate as well. But you're licensed as a nurse. Okay. So two semesters, and it's I mean hardest thing I've done in LVN school. I mean they they definitely you know pressure to diamonds. You know it it was it was hard work, but um, it was. Um, very crucial. I went through LVN school because I didn't get the grades for RN. Finished LVN school. I still I took the HESI again, which is the entry exam. Took it again. Got the scores I needed. Got into the RN program. Okay. So once I grinded out RN program, I finally finished just this past December. Just right. graduated. And um, yeah, here I am now working at Northwest in MICU. So it was definitely a grind. Definitely a grind. But you've, I mean, you've still been working in the field since oh, yes. high school. So. Oh, yes. This is all I know. Yeah. I mean, everyone asked me, how many jobs have you had? I'm like, well, two. Yeah. <laughs> so this is it. I know nothing else. Medical field is it. Why, why is that? Like, what drew you to the medical field? Well, I mean, I like to say my mom groomed, groomed me for it. Yeah. <laughs> but she really didn't. I mean, she's always like, you know, Jay, just do whatever you want to do. I don't care as long as you're successful and able to support your family, you know? So, but I guess you can kind of say it was in me. Like, mm -hmm. I just love people. I love talking to people. I love making a difference. So um, at first I wanted to be a lawyer. Uh, lawyers like to talk yeah. and I like yeah. to talk and they like to argue. I like to argue. I like to debate. So, but I uh, found out, you know, lawyers, you know, eh, you know, they can be looked out kind of bad, I guess. I don't know. There's a lot of so lawyer jokes. There, there's not there, a lot there, of nurse jokes right in and, the culture. Well, so. there's a lot. But <laughs> I mean, but lawyers, I, I do love lawyers. And I, that was definitely my second choice. But uh, nursing, I've always, I just love making a difference as a nurse. I love healing. I love talking to people. I love just making that difference. And I get so many thank you and passionate hugs from mm -hmm. family members like, Thank you for doing this. Who would do this if it wasn't for you? So it, it just makes me feel like it makes a difference. So now that you uh, are working as an RN, tell me, tell me what you do. What's your so job look like? Right now, I work at Northwest uh, Texas, Texas Hospital in MICU. Okay. Uh, Which stands for? It's medical ICU. Is that different from regular ICU? Yeah. Or? So you have three different ICUs. You have MICU, which is medical ICU. Uh, you have your CCU, which is your cardiac ICU, okay. dealing with your hearts and all that. And then you have SI, a surgical ICU. Got it. Surgical ICU is the intense trauma. Uh, that's where you get your car wrecks, your gunshots, right. and okay. Northwest gets all of the gruesome stuff. Right. Uh, that's actually where I wanted to go first, uh, but my director does not like to put new grads on day shift there. Okay. That makes but, sense. And I hate night shift, so she was like, you can do night shift. And I was like, nah, I'll just do my time in MI. So, um, but back to medical ICU, uh, it's really not medical ICU right now because we don't get the typical MICU patients right now because of the pandemic. Right. So right now we call it COVID land, mm -hmm. you know, and it's, that's typically what I deal with right now is the COVIDs, which are, we're seeing a big decrease in the facility yeah. because CCU was full of COVID and now it's not, it's just us. So I deal with that uh, right now in MICU. Tell me what that's been like 
you know, I, I know you were working in the field already, but but entering as a nurse, mm-hmm. you know, this year, right in the thick of the pandemic, and and that's been your life, you know, for the past few months. Uh, yeah. What's it What's it been like? So as a nurse, well, as in, I've been a nurse for a while, consider my LVN, but as an RN, that's all I know, you know, the, and, you know, my coworkers that are grooming me as a good RN, they're like, this is not typically how MICU, right. we see different patients, so it's really different, but... It's 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 a challenge, you know. You see a lot of sick patients with the with COVID, given mm-hmm. the pandemic. You see a lot, but you know we do a lot of good too. I mean, the good stories that I like to keep in my mind over the bad stories is just me going in there and tending to the ones that are coming out of it, and they're yeah. in tears because you know I'm we're compassionate, and and even the family members are like. Thank you so much, you know, because when they see their loved ones have COVID, you know, they look at the media, they look at the death rates, and they automatically assume their loved one is going to pass. Right. So, you know, they look at us as like, I'm not trying to say like I'm some kind of messiah, but that's like how they look at us. Like, you had the healing hands on my loved one. So that's what I see. I see it up close. And, you know, families are very grateful. And I just see a lot of patients, strong patients, just pull through from this stuff, mm-hmm. and they come out of it, and they are strong, and that's that's the great thing about it. There's a, there's a lot of stories about nurses who are experiencing burnout, you know, because they've been <sighs> in the middle of it for so long without letting up, and and you're in a unique position of having kind of jumped in yeah. right in the middle, yeah. um, maybe not long enough to get the burnout, but like, what's that like coming into something when you? It, it's almost like a war zone, you know, in yeah, the hospital. I. I I hate talking about per- burnout because I feel like it's not fair to my coworkers. I love my staff, my my fellow nurses, um, and my my girlfriend. That's who I met on the unit. Really, okay. she's an RN and she's been an RN for um, for two three years now, and she's the one who's really you know grinded through this pandemic. And she's went to New York and she tells me stories. She was in New York for six six months. So I think I just hate when I even complain about, oh, I got to yeah. go to work because they're like, man, you they've been through a lot. More you know, than you, you know, so it's like I'm not even going to do that to them. But I definitely see it. Uh, me, myself, I don't feel like, you know, I have the burnout. But some of the nurses that we do have, you know, they're so awesome, but they're so tired. They're so tired. And they they you know, it, the thing is, is that you just get so tired and worn down. You know, this is something we haven't seen. Mm-hmm. Um, especially at the beginning, those nurses, especially, uh, we know a little bit more about COVID and, you know, our, our medical personnel have adapted to it. Whereas at first it was just so on the fly, you had to improvise, you didn't know what to do. So now we have more protocols for things. We have more things that we have planned for to handle certain situations pertaining to COVID. But um, burnout is a real thing. And if you can help your nurses, um, you know, just give them a pat on the back, a hug, just know that it is, it's, it's, it's like, it's, a, you know, it's, it's tough. It's hard. So I have a feeling that, you know, when, when our society moves beyond this and we're 10 years ago or 10 years from now, 20 years from now, and we're, we're thinking about the pandemic, mm-hmm. you know, People are going to talk about the doctors and nurses who were on the front lines and oh. right in the thick of that, and you know, and rightly so. We talk about them as as heroes. And I wonder if you can like project yourself twenty years from now. <laughs> oh man, I mean, what what are the um, things that you're going to tell like your your kids or your grandkids about what it was? You like? know, I you know I've thought about this because it's like you know my daughter's eight and you know my other daughter Sam she's five. 
I thought about this. When they grow up and they're like in their 20s, you're like, yeah, we used to wear masks. Like you couldn't wear mask. You had to have your mask on to go to anywhere, the store. You had to, you couldn't go to the store and buy toilet paper for the while. People were scrounging for toilet paper. Yeah. And I just see our daughters like, what? Like, why were y'all wearing masks, you know? So I think what we were living is at the time, I think we adapted very quickly. But 20 years from now, we're going to look back and be like, man, those were crazy times. Mm -hmm. Like, even a government shutdown, the world shut down. And I definitely tell my daughter about the time when we came back from our cruise in Miami. Uh, we, as soon as we left, we left to Miami, I say about our fourth day on sea. Um, we got new, we, we, the cruise ship went crazy hmm. because they heard of the outbreak in China. You know, I didn't think much about it. So when was that? Like so this December, was, January? This was last, when did it break? Last, uh, which my mom was here. So everything shut down March, like March 2020. Yep, it was March. It was March. Okay. So, so you were actually on a cruise we ship. Are on, right when we things... are in mid-sea. I'll never forget it. Because those were like, that was like the epicenter oh, of everything yeah. when the, yes. the ships wouldn't dock. And, and yes. Yeah. So we're out on the sea and I'll never forget it. I'm watching, I'm sitting there at the um, bar Drinking my Hennessy, you know, I'm just cruising, you know. Never forget it. The Mavs were playing. Um, the Mavericks were playing someone. It was the Mavericks versus someone else. And all you see is Mark Cuban gets up and the commentators are like, what's going on? And Mark Cuban just leaves. That's uncharacteristic mm -hmm. for Mark Cuban because he loves his Mavericks. And then they're like, ladies and gentlemen, we got a breaking news. The NBA is shutting down. And we're like, wait, what? What's going on? And so we flip to the news and we're mm -hmm. like... Boom, everything is just shutting down. Everything's just like closed. And so the crew starts freaking out. Oh, we're not getting into the country. They're not letting us back in. Uh, the captain comes overhead and he's like, I mean, this is like an hour later or so. And he's like, guys, I just talked to the officials. Everybody just calm down. We're still going to be able to dock in the States. We will keep y'all updated. Cool. We go back to partying. <laughs> <laughs> so um, forward ahead after our cruise, we get back to Miami. You see all of the cruise ships just docked, yeah. which is rare because, you know, they're all in and out. They're all just lined up. We're like one of the last cruise ships to pull wow. out and they anchor down. We were, before this, um, before we went on our cruise, my brother and I, Deshaun, we were all so excited to party in Miami. But as soon as we stepped off, yeah. sh I mean, you could hear a, a pin drop on the streets. It yeah, was I so dead. I remember that NBA thing. I mean, that was yeah. when it became real for most people. Yeah, it was Like, if it's big enough for the NBA to shut down. Shut down a billion-dollar industry. Yeah, because, that happened. You know, Tom Hanks got it. You know, and I, I yeah. think all those things kind of— Exactly. So that was so the you, biggest thing for me. And Well, that's incredible. I haven't met anybody that was actually on a cruise ship during yeah. that period. Yeah. Um, my sister was in San Francisco during that time when— there were several cruise ships that couldn't even dock. Like oh. they were worried because they had COVID cases on board. And I remember seeing that on the news. Yeah, as so well. she would just see mm. the ship kind of floating outside. Yeah. Yep. Um, okay. Well, that, that was a fun detour. Awesome. I, I didn't know yeah, we would head that yeah. direction. I know that in addition to uh, your medical career, that you've also got sort of a uh, a second career going. So tell me a little bit about that. So um, we do have. I well, I don't like to say I because I don't like to take credit, um, but. It started when I, I just graduated nursing school, and I mean, I haven't, I'm in orientation at Northwest, you know, and I'm, that's all I'm focused on. And I know my, my cousin and my uncle, my cousin has a promotion business, shout out to Life Capital Entertainment, 
out in Austin. He has been doing this for a while. He's been booking shows out in Austin. And I went to a show. Um, well, I'm skipping ahead. I'm sorry. So, you know, him and his dad, which is my uncle, they're calling me. They're just talking to me for ideas. Hey, who should we get? Who should we, who, who do you like to see? Who would someone else like to see perform live? And I'm like, I don't know. Just, you know, Drake. <laughs> y'all, got, y'all got money for Drake? <laughs> but um, so fast forward and then, you know, they're just calling me and my uncle's like, hey, man, like, what do you think about, you know, you just graduated. What do you think about you starting your own promotion business. And I'm like, oh, you know, I like to party and I like to make people happy and dance and what brings people together more than music, you know? So I'm like, oh, you know, that's cool. Yeah, we can do that. You know, if he's like, no, you like, I just want to help you out, but you come up with the name and do your thing. And I'm like, oh, you just let me just take the reins like that. So he's like, yeah, Blair, which is the owner of Live Capital Entertainment. He's, he's over there in Austin He's like, your cousin, he's like, he's having his show in Austin. You should come out and check it out. I'm like, cool, I'll come do that. So I flew out to Austin and I went to go see um I went to go see his show and it was great. So he so I went down there and then it, it inspired me because I'm like, wow, Blair, you put this together. This is like all you. So it definitely caught my attention. So I'll come back. My uncle's like, hey, put together a logo, a name, boom. I'm thinking, I'm like, well. I don't know. Like, you just got this scratch piece of paper. Where do I start? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm like, well, let's go. Let's, let's, let's go. I'm thinking like over the limit. Let's go nonstop entertainment. Okay. Uh, nonstop. Let's go infinity entertainment. Hmm. Boom. Okay. Infinity entertainment. That sounds good. Let's add a little flavor to it. Let's just add an end to it. Infinity entertainment. So I just ran with that. My uncle loved it, ran with it. Boom. You got it. Let's do it. So we started thinking about artists. Um, I mean, and that's the most hardest process. Yeah, yeah. We booked our first show, Yellow Beezy in Amarillo. It was great show. Our number one thing was safety, mm-hmm. which we got down perfectly. Um, beautiful show. Everyone loved it. No fights, no violence. Beautiful. Every we got a lot of good feedback from it. So we moved on to the next one. We're thinking. We I love country. I'm a big country guy, so I'm thinking of country shows. I'm like, let's do a country show next. Mm-hmm. So another thing, referencing back to the pandemic, a lot of these artists are trying to recoup because yeah. a lot of the shows were on back order. So now they're just like stacking shows, trying to make up for everything that they've had signed up previously. So country, you know, the artists are really hard to get at this time. Mm-hmm. So we're we're looking into everybody. I mean, but we couldn't nail anyone. So me and my uncle were just thinking and um, RB Entertainment as well. They're, they've been a big help as well. So we ended up thinking like, hey, why don't we do something more intimate, like a more love vibe? So we come up with the conclusion of just bringing down, you know, Genuine, uh, Drew Hill featuring Cisco and Baby Bash. Mm-hmm. And they've been awesome working with me, working with all of us, uh, Infinity and RB Entertainment. So, yeah, this is kind of where we at. This is our second show. Um, I'm loving it. It's fun. It's new for me. Yeah. Uh, and I just like bringing something new to Amarillo. Like, that show's coming up when? That is November 12th okay. on a Friday. Right. On a Friday. I wonder if, you know, th- the idea of being a promoter where you are, you know, scheduling artists to come, you got to convince them to come, you got to sell tickets. You know, there's all these different moving pieces. Right. Um, you know, since you're relatively new at it and and this is still a really uncertain time with shows and travel and all that stuff. Yes, sir. How have you kind of 
embrace that part of it? Like, like, how are you dealing with some of those new things? How are you getting people to come to Amarillo that might not otherwise have had our city on the radar, all that stuff? Well, it's definitely new. You get some new reactions. Like, um, I mean, even when we booked Yellow Beezy, he's from Dallas. Mm-hmm. So it was like something new when we put, pitched it to his manager. We were like, hey, what do y'all think about coming up to Amarillo? And they were like, Amarillo? And we're like, yeah, like you lived in Dallas and you don't know where Amarillo is? And they're like, oh, no. I mean, but he was very like excited about mm-hmm. it. He was like, oh, that's new territory. Heck yeah, we'll come up there. So I think the biggest thing is with these artists is that if they can come to a territory and just print their name on it and feel like, you know, I think the biggest thing is, is that Amarillo's not just on the map like concerts wise. So that's my biggest thing is right. Like, artists come here and they be like, wow, it's a fan base. I mean, look at Russ. He came the yeah, first absolutely. he came the first time and went to the Civic Center and he was like, Wow, I packed out the Civic Center. I didn't even know I had a fan base here. Came again just this past Sunday, I guess. So that's what I want. I want artists to just come in and be like, Wow, I got a fan base out in Amarillo. Mm-hmm. There's actually people out in Amarillo that's rocking with me and my music. So thank you, Infinity Entertainment, for bringing me out. You know, and that's that's what it's about, and and making the people happy. Like, hey, thank y'all for bringing that out here. We don't get much, you know. So, and that's that's one of the things that you know Amarillo used to be on the map for really big acts. Yes, um, because they would need a place to stop between Dallas and Denver or right. whatever they were doing, and and eventually outgrew the facilities that we had at the the Civic Center. But for some of like maybe the lower tier acts, you know, that are still traveling, they're still on the road all right. the time, and and that would love to pack out a thousand seat auditorium or right. 400 seat or whatever they have available. Like it is still a legitimate place to stop. And there's a fan base here. For oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, even when, and you make a great point, there's people that pass through here all the time. I mean, when Russ first, first did his first show, he was passing on the highway and I'll never forget it. I was on Twitter and Facebook and um, everyone's like, oh, Russ is here. He's, he's at the park. So everyone goes out there and they're bum rushing his tour bus. Mm-hmm. And he's like, whoa, what is this? And he gets on his um, he gets on his Instagram. He's like, you know what? Since y'all love to see me just pass through y'all city, I'm coming back for a show. Yeah. And he came back for the first show. Then he came back for a second one. That just shows you how excited Amarillo is and passionate about these people and, and the industry. Tell me about the work of being a promoter. Um, like what... It, it's something that unless you're doing it, like you probably don't have any idea. Oh, no. You know, people no. just get the concert. They don't realize all the stuff that takes oh, place before that happens. You know what? Um, I'm learning and shout out, big, big shout out to my uncle. That man is put in blood, sweat and tears. I mean, and I'm still learning from him. I'm trying to grasp the concept of everything he's been doing. And I mean, he's learning. This is foreign territory for the both of us. Mm-hmm. Um but we're we're making connections to the appropriate people. It's a lot of patience that comes onto this. I mean, you just can't pick up the phone and say, "Hey, we got the money. Do you want to come over here to Amarillo?" No, it's a bidding war. It's a it's it's a scheduling right. problem. You want to try to catch these artists in route. If you have an artist that has a show in Lubbock, that's perfect. You want to stop by Amarillo too. But if they have a show up in Washington. It's going to be pretty hard right. for them to fit in coming way down to Amarillo, you know? So, like I said, big shout out to um, my uncle and RB Entertainment. They, they as well, have shown us a lot on this show. Um, they're showing us a lot. And like I said, Live Capital Music, 
my cousin, he's been doing this for a while. He's showing us. But it's just a lot of networking, man. Yeah. It's a lot of phone calls. It's a lot of picking up the phone, getting out of bed and saying, hey, we want you. What do we got to do? Crunching numbers, getting contracts. It's a lot of dirty work in the back. It's not just getting them on stage and selling tickets. It's it's not that easy. But I do love it, though. I love I love the grind. Do you think Amarillo has a lot of potential as a live music spot? Absolutely. Maybe even more so. I mean, with, it's, it's kind of gone in ebbs and flows. Without as, as a question, without a doubt. And the reason why I think so is because Amarillo's hungry. Um, you got a lot of young people here, too. I mean, I know Amarillo's like at the top of like retirement places. So we do have a lot of wise people here. Yeah. But they're not going to be at a genuine show. Um, hey, you might. You never know. You never know. But uh, I do think it has a potential because, you know, you got AC here. You got WT, mm-hmm. a hop and a skip. You even got Lubbock. You know, people are going to come here. I went to Lubbock all the time for parties in high school. But I think it definitely does because Emerald is hungry. And they they show up and they show out for concerts. They love to go out to concerts. And they just feel honored just for people to come here and just be like, wow, we actually had someone come to Amarillo. It's not Lubbock where, you know, you get everyone in Lubbock. <laughs> so and even Albuquerque, I mean, people we, we have tickets from all over the place being bought right now. So I think Amarillo is definitely can be a hub for music. I think it definitely could. Hey, Amarillo is sponsored this week by Brick and Elm Magazine, the new hyper-local print magazine I launched back in May of this year with my publishing partner, Michelle McCaffrey. We are finishing up our November-December issue right now, this week, and I'm just super excited about this issue, from the cover story to everything else in it. If you are a dedicated listener of this podcast, I think you would also like Brick and Elm, and I encourage you to subscribe to it. It's just $34.99 a year to get all of our print issues. They'll come directly to your house. And this isn't any slim 30-page magazine either. Our last three issues have all topped 100 pages, including the one that's headed to the printer this week. And everything in it is about local people. We're telling local stories. We've got local advertisers. We use local writers and photographers. It's even printed locally. To subscribe, visit brickandelm.com. That's brickandelm.com. Okay, I'm back with Josh Gilmore. Josh, this is the part of the show I call Eight Straight. Eight Straight is sponsored every week by Panhandle Plains Historical Museum in Canyon. It's the largest history museum in Texas, and its collection includes at least eight fossils that date to the Cambrian period, which includes trilobites. I was a dinosaur nerd when I was a kid, and I I, I knew all about trilobites, and I just think it's cool. I can still go see those at Panhandle Plains. Uh, You can learn more at panhandleplains.org. That's awesome. Okay, um, so the first... Eight straight question, uh, and this is one that I've been asking a lot of people for the past you know year or so, and, and you may have a, a really good perspective on it as somebody in the medical field, but what's one thing the pandemic has revealed to you about local people? I would definitely go with compassion. I mean, I think sometimes, I mean, people kind of lose that sense of like, I acknowledge you, you acknowledge me mm-hmm. and what we go through. It may be different, but we're still here together. This pandemic has pulled people together. It's pulled families together. I've had a patient who hasn't seen his daughter in years. And then 
when he gets sick, and granted, you know, he made it, he made it well out. He was so grateful. Just it's sad to say that's what brought her out, but yeah. Now they're connected again because of compassion and just being like, you know, we gotta we gotta band together, you know. And I think that's the biggest thing that we've noticed about locals. We we reach out to one another. Hey, do you need anything? You know, and even if you even just known a guy by walking past him, and you see his loved one on social media is sick or anything, mm-hmm. you're gonna be like, hey, I'm praying for you, praying for your loved ones on social media. That that goes a long way. And I think compassion is a very important element that I've noticed in our locals that we have seen in Amarillo. Is that something as a nurse that comes naturally to you? Or is that something that you get, I don't know, it's part of the job that you kind of sometimes struggle with? I think it's I think it's a huge component as a nurse. I think and it's very natural to me. Okay. Um I'm very, it seems like a personality thing. Like you can't just Create no, it if you don't have no, it. No, sir. And, you know, I've had nurses that, you know, they want to go into it and they're just kind of like going through the motion, you know. But um, I think as a nurse, it's you getting personable at and staying professional at the same time mm-hmm. with your patient and that sense of compassion that patient feels that that gives them a sense of being comfortable and wanting to heal because, you know, no one wants to lay in a medical bed and, you know, miss their wife's birthday in, or Christmas or Thanksgiving. I mean, it sucks. So you as a nurse go in there with a sense of compassion and say, hey, I'm here for you. Yeah. And that's all they want. That's all they want. Okay, what does this area have too much of? Mosquitoes. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think in the uh I think especially like in the summertime yeah. when it's a heat wave, man, me and my daughter cannot st- I mean, I know everyone hates mosquitoes, but it is awful. I, I, I can't stand it. It's too much. Yeah. Like you're bathing down sunscreen and trying to, but ah, it comes with nature. That's one reason I look forward to the fall. Exactly. You get that first really cold snap. And and flies too. Yeah. Yeah, Flies all over the place. What does this area not have enough of? Um, You know, I I don't want this to sound negative because people support the heck out of Infinity Entertainment. I love the comments. I I look at them every day. They, They make me, they literally keep me going with, we love what y'all are doing bring it on, like what's next, I'll the excitement makes me happy. But I will say we can't have too much of support mm-hmm. for any kind of business, not not Infinity Entertainment, not RB Entertainment, not Music Capital, just any business. If you selling T-shirts out of your trunk or you're selling hats, you're selling food, and you know this person, go support them. Yeah. I, I, I'll walk in the park And I won't even know anyone. If they're selling a ball cap, I'll just buy it just because I know how it is. And I just want I want to see everyone succeed. And I just love the hustle. So if you know them, we can't have enough support in Amarillo. We 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 can support, support, support. And I think that's one of the pandemic stories that has actually been pretty positive is people are more aware. Yes. Of local businesses and the need yes. to support them and the challenges that they go through compared to, say, Amazon or Walmart. Exactly, or because if, if anything can cripple a local business. So um, Amazon may lose a couple of billion, but mm-hmm. they also have like 700 billion yeah. <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. So, but uh, just support, support. How do you describe Amarillo to people outside the area? So let's let's say you're reaching out to an artist and you're like, okay, I want you to come do a show here. And they're like, I've never been to Amarillo. Oh, yeah. What's it like? No, we went through we went through that, like I said, with Yellow Beezy. They had no idea. And we're like, man, you got fans here. And they just couldn't believe it. But um you you get that southern hospitality. Like I feel like we are the definition of that. When you see that on movies or 
you know, oh, they got that Southern hospitality where it's just that good old welcome. Hey, come mm-hmm. on, kid. Get your boots on and let's go kick it in the mud or whatever, you know? You get that in Amarillo and Canyon. You get that down here. Like, I, I don't know you. You don't know me. But guess what? We can just kick it, you know? It ain't, it, it's not going to be no beef or anything like that. Let's just have fun. And I think you get that here. Uh, I, I don't always ask this one, but I'm going to ask you. Okay. What's your favorite music venue in Amarillo? Music venue. Okay. Um. So, you know, I haven't surprisingly as a promoter i haven't been to a lot of concerts Mm -hmm. not a lot at all but uh i remember when i was younger in high school i went to i would i would have to say aztec because not because they're our venue (laughs) not at all but shout out to aztec music hall as a kid when i went um in high school i went with my my daughter's mom to Eli Young band. Okay. And that was my first concert. All right. And I loved it. It was amazing. It's still, it's embedded in my memory now. And I know Aztec brings them a lot. So that's the first thing I think of is just going to that Eli Young band in high school and be like, wow, this is a cool concert. It's a good vibe. And I love their music. So that, that's, that'll definitely have to be my, my favorite right there. Okay. What's your favorite local restaurant? Favorite local restaurant. Oh boy. I love food. That's a hard one. You know, I definitely don't have a favorite, but I go through my spells. Okay. <laughs> so my spell right now is I love hamburgers. Yeah. I love burgers. So I'm definitely going to go with Golden Light Cafe okay. off of 6th Street. Let's let's rock with that. That's a legit greasy I, burger. I, lo- I love That's that, man. You can't you can't beat that. So That burger probably hasn't changed since the 1940s oh, no. when they introduced it's it. It's amazing. I love it. What's your favorite street in Amarillo? Favorite street? Oh, well, as a promoter, you got to say Polk Street. That's where okay. the party is, right? <laughs> but uh, I'll definitely go with Polk Street. I mean, I like the, if you want to come to Amarillo and get a sense of like the culture and the feel, I mean, I love what they did with the lights and mm-hmm. even it's still growing. Like, you know, that whole downtown area is just growing. Uh, but you get a sense of the feel. You walk down on a Saturday or Friday night, you hear the music, you yeah. see the lights going, you can go in and out of bars. Definitely Polk Street. And even, a, I mean, that, that's been a really big change since you were in high school. I oh, mean, the way that huge. that has transformed I've seen just it, in the I've past seen few years. Just constantly grow and change. So, yes, sir. Okay. And when was the last time you visited Cadillac Ranch? Oh, boy. I want to say since I was a sophomore in high school. Okay. <laughs> sophomore or junior in high school, I went. And I've only been once. That's the one time I went. Why'd you go out then? Do you, uh, you know, me and my buddies just wanted to go. You know, it was nothing else to do. We were like, hey, let's go check it out. And we just went out there. You know, we did our thing with the cars. Mm-hmm. and But uh, it was a good time. That was the last time I've been. Okay. Since. Well, that concludes the eight straight questions, Josh. I like to ask my guests uh, to endorse something. So what's one thing that you would want listeners to know about or to experience locally? I think the biggest thing for me and my family, um, Juneteenth weekend okay. in Amarillo, Texas. Um, we used to, my my uncle, my other uncle who lives here, he is the commissioner of Amarillo, Alfonso Vaughn. Oh, okay. So I know he, Alfonso. He, yes, sir. Uh, he used to run Juneteenth and he was the head of our family. He still is. And we would put in work and getting all of Juneteenth together. We don't do it anymore. He retired from that spot. Mm -hmm. It was very hectic. But Juneteenth weekend is a great weekend. Um, It doesn't matter. I know a lot of people know what Juneteenth weekend is. It's, you know, African-Americans getting there. Not when they officially got free, but when they 
treaty got or the uh, paperwork got signed. Right, a couple um, of years exactly. Later. Yes, yes. So it got signed, um, and that's what invoked Juneteenth weekend. It was a celebration once you finally seen it. And I like to say, you know, a lot of people don't know. They're like, well, do I have to be black to go? <laughs> and I do get that question. I'm like, no, like you, we see all ethnicities down there. It is a celebration. Like you're my friend. I'm your friend. Come out and party with us. So it's a great time. It's all weekend. It's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I mean, we have talent shows. We have basketball tournaments. And Saturday's the biggest because it's a lot of food trucks mm-hmm. down at Bonehoods Park. It's a lot of people just talking, conversing, music. Great time. If you haven't been, go this next coming summer on Juneteenth. I think it's the nineteenth or somewhere around mm-hmm. there, and uh, you guys would love it. It's awesome. Yeah, it was it was a really fun celebration this year because it was the first time that the holiday was nationally recognized. Exactly, because it used to kind of just big. be a Texas thing, a Southern thing, and it gradually. So, yes, it is growing. So we we do our part in Amarillo just to celebrate that. And yeah, bring your loved ones. It's a good time. You should experience that. All right. Josh Gilmore, thank you so much for thank being you. on the podcast. Thank Appreciate you. It. Absolutely. And that concludes the episode. Thanks to Josh for the interview. Uh, that concert event that he talked about is Friday, November 12th at Azteca Music Hall. You can follow Infinity Entertainment. That's Infinity spelled with a capital N followed by Finity. Um, follow Infinity Entertainment on Facebook for more details. Thanks to Angelina Marie for editing this episode and to my sponsors, the Discover Amarillo app and Panhandle Plains Historical Museum. This podcast exists every week because of listeners like you and the local people who support it financially through patreon.com slash heyamarillo. Heyamarillo's executive producers include Jason Berg, Katie Linger, Chris Selda, Jess Heredia, Barbara and Jim Witten, Corey Burns, Wilson Lemieux, Josh Wood, Wes Reeves, and Patrick Burns. This has been episode 219. My name is Jason Boyette, and I'll see you next week.